Good morning, everyone. It's lovely to be with you again. Uh, I want to warm you up with two questions. Here's the first question. How would you describe the good folk of Warunga, Warawi or Waitara? In other words, how would you describe your neighbours? I'm being poetic. If you live in a suburb that doesn't start with W, you are not excluded. (laughs) How would you describe the good folk of Warunga, Warawi or Waitara? Well, the superficial kind of answer is, well, it's up in North Shore, big trees, big cars, big schools and big houses. I'm still adjusting coming from Forestville to here. But that's the superficial glance, really. Scratch the surface and our neighbours are far more complex than that. Which brings me to the second question for you. How do you think Jesus would describe the good folk of Warunga, Warawi and Waitara? When we meet Jesus in the Gospels, he saw the crowds and we read a number of times his heart goes out to the crowd. He has compassion on the crowd. And uh, in Matthew chapter 9 verse 35, uh, we get a deeper description It says that Jesus saw them and that they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And on one particular moment, he turns to his disciples and he says to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Now, Jesus uses two word pictures here to describe the crowds that he saw. The crowds were like sheep without a shepherd, lost and aimless. The crowds were like a field waiting to be harvested. So as we look at our neighbours through the lens of Jesus, uh, he encourages us to learn from him. And when he saw the crowds, he turned to his friends and he called for prayer. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. And what I want you to see in this short time we have together is that prayer and mission go together. And as we think about these next few weeks together, uh, prayer and mission go hand in hand together with our welcome weeks around our Easter season. Uh, The first thing we want to encourage everyone to do is to pray. When Jesus saw the crowds, he turned to his friends and he said, pray. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the field. So in these last few weeks, we've been thinking about our vision and our mission. Uh, We've distilled our vision to this. We have been welcomed into God's family so that we welcome everyone. We grow together. We honour God as we long for home. So as we look with Jesus' eyes 
to our friends in Warunga, Warawi and Waitara, we see them as sheep without a shepherd, as a field waiting to be harvested, and we hear Jesus' call to pray. Now you might ask me the question, what should we pray? And what I want to do in this short time we have is to come to Colossians chapter 4 and and unpack our prayer for mission. Uh, We've already remembered that uh, verses 4, chapter 4 verse 2 says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Now, uh, this is a bit of a teaser for second term. We're going to spend, take a deeper dive into the letter of uh, Paul's letter to the Colossians. But this little section says this, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Prayer and mission and our welcome weeks go hand in hand. And as we get ourselves ready for this Easter season of welcoming, as we uh, partner with more college people, I want to encourage you with three thoughts from this passage. The first one is this. When we pray, we pray that God might open doors for our message. Uh, There's a discussion that does the rounds every so often in Christian circles about who is it that should be the evangelist? Is it the big E evangelists like Paul or Billy Graham? I couldn't possibly be like that. Or is it the little W witnesses? All of us are part of God's mission. I want you to notice here that the mission is for all the church and we are engaged in it. We've got different gifts and abilities and capacities. Uh, Some of us can proclaim the gospel like Paul does. All of us can pray like Paul invites the Colossians to pray. And all of us can be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have. And so the first thing we notice is that Paul says, pray that God may open a door for our message. And I immediately want you to see two things out of these, uh, this sentence. Firstly, we're reminded here that it's God's mission that we are a part of. Uh, It's his mission, and so we pray to him that he would open doors for the gospel. Now, we need to unpack that phrase just a little bit more. So we don't go into welcome weeks in our own strength or according to our own good ideas. We recognise that we are serving God who is the God of mission, who longs to see hearts changed and transformed by Jesus. Uh, The second question worth asking of this little phrase, what's God opening the door for? It's a word picture, isn't it? And we see it here in this passage, uh, verse 3, pray for us too that God may open a door for our message 
that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Now, when we go into a deeper dive in Colossians, we'll see a glorious picture of Jesus. And uh, what Paul is saying here, hey, Colossians, pray for us that God may open a door that the good news about Jesus might be known to all that we share it with. And to give you a little taster plate, Colossians 1 says this about Jesus, verse 15, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. In him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. He is the head, the body of the church. He's the beginning of the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything we might have the supremacy. God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile himself by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Now, if we're asking the question, why are we praying that God would open doors? It's so that the majesty of Jesus might be known. So mission and prayer go together. And when we get to Colossians in term two and have a closer and deeper look at it, we can see that in the culture of the Colossian church, uh, there were those who were saying that God is mysterious and inaccessible. Paul's deliberately turning that idea on its head and he says, when you pray, pray that God will open doors so that Jesus Christ may be revealed. God makes himself known to us through the good news of his son. And so we pray for our neighbours in Warunga, Wari and Waitara that God will open the door for the message of Jesus to be proclaimed. Uh, I was at McEwen Park the week before last. It's one of our uh, connection moments with uh, one of the villagers in our community. Uh, I was plugging the Kanishka's Kitchen thing, saying our archbishop's going to come, cook a curry, and then tell us about how he moved from Buddha to Jesus. And uh, a lady came up to me after that and she said, "Uh, do you know about the teachings of the Dalai Lama? I said, a little bit. She said to me, he's Buddhist, isn't he? And I said, yep. And and she said, I love the simplicity and clarity of his teachings. And then I had a small brief moment to be able to say, the problem with the Dalai Lama is that he denies the God who created him to praise. You should come along to hear Kanishka and hear why he moved from Buddha to Jesus. Uh, We want to pray that God will open doors for our message. Uh, The second thing you'll notice is that Paul says, pray that we may be clear in the way that we proclaim the message. Now, there's a discussion that goes on. Are these words just for Paul in his day, in his moment? Uh, But here is a prayer which says, as we reveal Jesus through the good news, 
pray that we might do that clearly. If God has the responsibility for opening doors because it's his mission, we have the responsibility to be clear in the message we share with others. And, uh, and so we hear another prayer here. Pray that we may clearly uh, present this good news. And as we're thinking about the next few weeks, please pray for the more College team who at least will be sharing their stories with our, our community and our friends as they partner with us. Pray for those who will give talks, especially over this Easter season and the Jesus is. Pray that the good news of Jesus may be clearly heard and clearly communicating. So here's a reminder to us that mission and prayer go together. We pray that the good news of Jesus might be known clearly. Uh, The third thing that I want you to see is that then Paul calls us to have uh, godly actions and godly words. First, godly actions. He says, be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Now, here's a reminder for us that living Christian is not just something we do together on a Sunday afternoon. It's a whole life thing. And Paul anticipates that the wise life, the life lived that honours Jesus, uh, will adorn the gospel we long to hold out. And so he says, be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Uh, Paul gives us an example of this when he writes to Titus. He addresses the slaves, which is a whole other question for us to deal with. But to the slaves, he says, teach slaves to be subject to their masters, to try and please them and not talk back to them, not steal from them, but to show they can be fully trusted. This is the phrase I want you to hear. So that in every way they will make the teaching of God our saviour attractive. As we live wisely amongst our neighbours, family and friends in Warunga, Warawi and Waitara, we have the opportunity to honour the gospel by our godly lives and to that, uh, Paul says, make the most of every opportunity. Now that's a phrase worth thinking about. Literally it means redeem your time. Use your time wisely but not foolishly. Use your time for the glory of Jesus and not self-interest. Paul uses that same phrase in Ephesians 5, and and he says it this way, Be careful then about how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity for the days of evil. And so he goes on. Here Paul says, be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Redeem your time. Make the most of your opportunities that you use your time bringing glory to Jesus. Uh, uh, This week I've been visiting the hospital more with Sue in hospital. She started her week on Monday morning... uh, Uh, she always says, I want to make the most of this opportunity that I'm in. As she was going into surgery, she said to her surgeons, lots of people are praying for you and we know that God is good. 
Uh, she's grown up in a household where her parents said, Lord, open doors for me to have opportunity to have gospel conversations. Uh, last night at 7 o'clock, it was handover time, and we could hear the nurse standing outside saying to the other nurse who was coming in for the night shift, oh, here is lovely Susan. And I'm thinking, oh, it's taken a five days to be known as lovely Susan. How we live adorns the gospel that we want to share. And Paul says, be wise in the way that you live, that your life points people to Jesus. Now we could spend more time thinking about what does that look like as we live wisely among the good folk of Warunga, Warawi and Waitara and all the other suburbs that don't start with W. The fourth thing I want you to notice from this passage, uh, if our life and the character of our life adorns the gospel, so do our words. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Uh, Notice as with the character of our life, the character of our words are important. And look at how our words are described here. Full of grace, seasoned with salt, ready to give an answer. And it echoes the words of Peter, doesn't it? Give, be, uh, be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. It's another word picture here. Salt was a preservative and salt added flavour. And so it's worth us thinking through what does it mean for our conversations to be preservative, to give life, to encourage, to build up or to add flavour to our conversations in such a way that our conversations point us to Jesus. Now, I'm aware that even in Christian circles, I hear way too much grumbling. Even in our own church circles, from time to time, I hear people who grumble. Here is Paul's call for the sake of the gospel to let your conversations be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. There's a sense that Paul is encouraging us to be deliberate in our conversations with our family, neighbours and friends living in Warunga, Waitara and Warawee. Here is an invitation for us to see that prayer and outreach and mission and welcome weeks all go together. Here's an encouragement for us in these next few weeks to be people who pray and, uh, and this is what we pray. Pray that God may open a door for our message so the mystery of Christ, the good news of Christ, the majesty of Christ might be known by as many as possible in our surrounds. We pray uh, that as we do that, we proclaim the good message of Jesus clearly. And we think of those who present God's word on a regular basis from our scripture teachers to our preachers to our ESL teachers to our conversations with our friends over coffee. Help us to be clear, Lord, that Jesus might be known. We pray that we may be wise in how we live, 
that our lives may adorn the gospel we long to share, that we might make the most of every opportunity that we have, that we may redeem our time. We pray that our conversations will be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that we may know how to answer everyone. I'm excited about these next few weeks together and I invite you to pray and I invite you to get on board. And as we uh, uh, think about our church goals and missions, we've committed ourselves to praying for three people. We've committed ourselves to offering two invitations. We've committed ourselves to having gospel conversations And I figure in the next week we could hit our KPIs really early and we need to reset them. Not once a year, but once a term. Not once a term, but once a month. Not once a month, but once a week. Not once a week, but once a day. That we might speak to people about Jesus. Honour him with how we live. So the gospel is adorned. Uh, I'm going to invite you to pray with me a gospel prayer that God may open doors. It's going to come up on the screen. We'll go to the next one, I think. Yep, we'll skip that one. I want to invite you to pray as Paul has encouraged us to pray this morning. Uh, Let's pray this together. God, our Father, thank you for rescuing us from the dominion of darkness and bringing us into the kingdom of Jesus, the Son you love. In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. Hear our prayer for all who are far away from you, that they might come to believe the hope held out in the gospel. Open doors for the gospel in every land. Enable the messengers of your truth to proclaim it clearly as they should. Help us to be wise in the way we act toward outsiders and to make the most of every opportunity given to us. May our conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, that we may know how to answer everyone. We ask these things in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to you through him. Amen.